Do you have weak, damaged hair? New Garnier Fructis Hair Filler Systems fill hair with strength seven layers deep. In just one use, you can reverse up to one year of damage to hair smoothness. The sulfate-free hair filler plus vitamin CG system gives you up to 79% stronger hair and up to four times less breakage. New Garnier Fructis Hair Filler is available now on Amazon and at Walmart, Target, Ulta, Drug, and select grocery stores. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss. The lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision. Every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. You shouldn't settle for just any old pair of leggings. You deserve something better. Something designed with you in mind. Like the new Inspire Leggings by Kalia. Their most versatile collection yet, made for any workout. They're lightweight, buttery soft, breathable, and made with lycra adaptive fiber, which molds to your body for a barely there supportive fit. It's perfect for wherever your wellness routine takes you. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Ever wondered if you could create a garden that's great for hosting both friends and wildlife? We've got a king of the nightclubs who's recently been seduced by gardening to share how his garden provides a sanctuary and entertainment space for creatures great and small. Hello, I'm Miranda. Welcome to this episode. Today I'm chatting to BBC Radio 2 DJ Trevor Nelson, whose move out of London opened his eyes to the joys of gardening. I began by asking him how he went from self-proclaimed city boy to embarking on a journey as a grubby hand gardener. I've always lived in London, number one. Um, And when I grew up, I lived in a terrace house in Stoke Newington and we had what was known as a, I don't even think you could call it a garden, but it was an outdoor space. Today it's seen as an outdoor space and a bit of a garden, but when we were growing up, it was just concrete with a little border. I think my mum planted some tomatoes, maybe a bit of lettuce and that was it. So gardening hasn't been with me as a kid. And then I moved um, a few times. I did have gardens, but I only ever looked at them. I never, ever went out there, if you know what I mean. I I just never had a thing for gardening. And I think that my last place I lived in for 10 years was bang in the centre of London in Clerkenwell Old Street. You can imagine a converted bicycle factory. Um, I lived underground and I lived in the basement and the, the ground floor and I had a tiny bit of space outside with planters with just, I just wanted some green out there and... I had um, some rodent friends out there as well that used to come from the the food market. And uh, yeah, so I didn't go out there much either, <laughs> and pigeons, and that was it. And I, and, and I took the, 
the plunge and moved to the suburbs only four or five years ago. And it's the best thing I ever did. Best, best move I've ever made in my life. Do you sort of tinkle in the garden at all? Are there a task you join in or? Yeah, I mean, weeding is my thing. Um, you know, my missus is all about indoors and I, and I made, I made the place that I'll keep outdoors nice and she keeps indoors nice. So that's our deal. I keep the front of the house. We have a little garden at the front of the house and we have a, a lot of olive trees. Um, the former owner had olive trees. And so we've got them at the front of the house and, and dotted about at the back. But uh, weeding, <laughs> um, um, you know, doing the mowing the lawn occasionally, strimming, but not anything substantial because we do have the, the, the we're lucky enough to have gardeners come around every couple of weeks. So they, I mean, they they look after it. They they're passionate. They're unbelievable. I try to watch them every now and again, but you know, really, I, I'm I'm one of those mad planners where. I've got this garden ready for five years time when I know I'm going to slow down and I know I'm going to be in there because I won't, number one, I might be able to afford the gardeners and two, <laughs> no, seriously. And two, I'd have no choice. If I want to keep the garden nice, I've got to get my hands dirty. So, yeah. Are there any jobs that you'd like to learn how to do better in the garden that you see as quite challenging? Yeah, I think knowing um, when to trim plants, when to you know, knowing the difference between, because at first they gave me a weeding job at first and I started pulling plants out that weren't weeds, which was, I'm sure I'm not the first to do that. Right. But, um, no, I think, I think it's a real art form knowing and, and knowing, you know, if a plant needs, you know, just pruning with, um, you know, when a plant's getting watered too much, when it needs water, when, you know, because every, I think every plant is individual in a sense, you know, some of them are really hardy and some of them are delicate. I live in High Barnet and it's incredibly windy. So our planting plan went to pot after we realized that the wind was destroying some of the lovely grass, you know, some of the lovely grasses and the tall plants, they were getting bent over and only the strong plants were surviving. So, you know, really the real basics for me, I'm, I'm a real beginner. No, it's, I think there's a lot of people listening that will completely relate to that. I think, you know, there's a lot of us sort of interest in gardening, but not quite sure where we start or what we do. And it can feel quite, quite alien or we just don't have the time. I think there's a lot of people like that. I've seen pictures of your garden, Trevor, and it is, it's stunning. And they should do a through the keyhole of gardens, I think, not just homes. Because <laughs> Is I it stunning? It's I don't gorgeous. know. Is it stunning? I don't know. Is it? It's, well... It's, it, I'd say it's Chelsea Garden standard. I mean, you had a Chelsea wow. Garden designer, right? You know, you, you started yeah. with good. <laughs> yeah, I did. I think the design's very important. I, I, I do think the design's really important. And I think for somebody like me who, I was very honest with Matthew. Matthew Wilson designed the garden. I was very honest. I didn't try and say, I want to be this. I want this. I mean, he likes wild gardens normally. So I, I challenged him to a very contemporary a balance of wild at the back and very contemporary at the front. In, in a sense, the usable bit of the garden that I'm used to as an urbanite, you know, being, you know, a lot of concrete and, and planters and stuff I can look at. And then the stuff that, that borders a garden that is, that has grown lovely. It's every year. It's amazing. It just, it feels like a new garden. It's grown so quickly. He's done a great job. But I think that's one of the things that really appeals to me about your garden. You've got these sort of wild elements, but it's also very usable. It looks like a really nice entertaining space. You've got a fire pit. You've got mm -hmm. a lovely like sunspot. It looks like you get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you know what? We put it to the test once. Only once have we had 
any form of a party here. And it was, um, it, my dad came over, my dad who's retired in, in St. Lucia, he came over and I thought, well, great excuse to get all the family around and some friends. So we had about, I think we had about 50 people around the house and it was really nice to see the garden being used because there are only two of us live here, you know, and it was nice to see the garden being used in all corners and people naturally finding the part they wanted to be in. And because obviously the fish pond is a big feature, the raised fish pond, you know, people naturally gather around there, but they've all got their own little seating areas. It was really, it was, it was, it was I felt really emotional <laughs> looking at people in my garden for the first time, you know, and um, it's really silly, but I, I never thought I'd be that attached to a garden, you know, and, 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 and I get so much from my garden. It's amazing. And do you think having a garden that works for you is sort of encouraging you to want to be out there a bit more and try your hand at it? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I think I'm, I'm taking baby steps. My thing was, um, and, I, and I think a lot of people listening can relate to this, gardening isn't only about getting on your knees and getting thorns stuck in your, in your index finger and stuff. It's also about just looking at your garden. I get most of my pleasure from looking at the garden not necessarily being in it. I get, you know, my partner, she loves being out there when the sun's out and she's on the lounger. I don't do that. I like, uh, you can see the garden from every room at the back of the house. It's really clear and there's a, there's a different, you know, frame. There's a different sort of portrait of the garden or, you know, framing of it from each room. And I get so much joy first thing in the morning just staring at it. it. It's amazing how much you can get when you bring it into the house, if you know what I mean. And I think... If you're being honest, and I'm not going to pretend I'm green-fingered yet, but I get most of my enjoyment from looking at it from inside the house. And and and, and that's me just being honest. <laughs> that's that's a criteria for good garden design, though. You know, I think if it doesn't look good from the house, it's, it's not working as well as it could or as hard as it could. So I think, you know, kudos to Matthew. That's a very good design because year-round, you've got a beautiful garden, whether you're in it or looking at it, right? Absolutely. Even when it's snowing, it's fantastic, you know, and, and, you know, it's like when you watch all those property programs and the clincher for everybody is the view, you know, they like the house, this house is all right, but it's about the view, you know, you get, Oh, what a nice view from it. And I get that from every room and, and that, and he framed it really well. We've got Pagola from my music room, which really gives me sort of like, as if I'm in Italy, <laughs> you know, I look through and I can see, you know, it's, it's framed beautifully. And then, from the living room, I see the fish pond. And then from the sun room, we get a big, we get the whole garden. And and that was the idea. I mean, I I certainly spent my, my money on the garden rather than the house. <laughs> I did it the other way around <laughs> because I just got so much joy from it, you know? It, it is really important. It is the fifth room in your house or the, or the extra room in your house. And usually the biggest. Well, it's Definitely the biggest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't I know it? And and the one thing I would say about gardens, though, the one the one word of advice to anybody who's new to who's got a big garden, a hundred foot or more, and um, wants to landscape it or get it designed, is do think about the maintenance cost, because we all get blown away by getting loads of plants in. Oh, it's going to look amazing. But if you're not green fingered, someone's got to do it. And I never for one moment even thought about it. It's a small mortgage if you're not careful. So, you know, if you're not willing to get dirty, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be spending another mortgage just looking after your garden. Because you love it so much, you don't want it to go into disrepair, you know? 
but maybe as you say slowly you'll you'll start taking on more of the jobs as it goes later on or you, or you might end up adapting the garden to suit you at a different time and that's the no I, I want to take the jobs on I definitely do I, <laughs> I think it's man I do think it's manageable you know if you go out there uh three two three times a week an hour or two it's definitely manageable I'm sure it is I know I can do it Oh, I'm pleased to hear that. And I love that your advice for new gardeners is to bear that maintenance in mind. Is there any other advice you'd give to other people who are sort of dipping their toes into gardening? Yeah, um, I think you have to you have to express you have to try different plants. You know, some are going to work for you in your garden. Some aren't some, you know, we we put in we had to put in 15 tons of soil on the left side of our garden because it was it was like a vacuum space. You know, that, I don't know what it was like a builder's garden rather than a gardener's garden, if you get what I mean. Someone who just wanted a vision, but with no realistic planting going on. And it was a bit faux in a sense, too much decking and all that stuff. So I would say, you know, be prepared to experiment a little bit with plants. Um, some just won't take to your garden. And, and and in our situation, some of the soil was very, weren't great, wasn't that great. And the fresh soil, everything's growing lovely. And and the old clay, depending on what your base is, I suppose. Oh, like I'm sounding technical. But, you know, some plants will work, some plants won't. And you can't force it. Don't push it, don't force it. Let it happen naturally. And I'm I'm saying that I've seen photos of your garden, but it'd be lovely if you don't mind briefly describing your garden to the listeners. Um, we have got several trees um, that flower very early, um, dotted around that frame the garden. I, I, I've got I'm, I'm, basically the garden. If I describe the whole garden from the back of the house uh, for the first third of the garden, I've got concrete paving instead of decking. We had a too much decking we, we ripped the decking up and we put concrete paving which um, slopes slightly towards what was a fish pond underneath you know a typical fish pond where you you look above you see the fish above it through the murky green water and you've got to be passionate to want to keep a fish pond like that it wasn't very big so if it was very big I might have kept it as it was because it'd be a natural mini lake or something but it was a tiny pond and I decided the best thing to do was to raise the pond. I wanted to see the pond, the fish from inside the house, like an aquarium. Because I think aquariums are the most zen places. If you go to the London Aquarium or one of those places, the most zen place you could ever go. And we found a, well, Matthew knew a, um, a pond designer who does that sort of thing. And he did an amazing job. I've got a fantastic pond. It looks like a mini swimming pool, but it's not. And I, I and I inherited these fish, so now I've added some. So I've got about twenty koi carp fish that that are thriving there. And you know, I've got a fire pit that doubles up as um, a barbecue type thing. It's called an off fire. It's amazing. It, it it looks like a bit of art actually. Um, just just a normal table chairs, a couple of sun loungers. But what we did, we I changed the doors on the, the house to sliding doors so that there's so it's like the gardens come into the house. And at that point there, you've got an urban space. You've got an urban space outdoors. No, not much greenery. Yep, there's greenery over the pergolas and stuff. It looks lovely and plant planters full of plants. So is it, there is greenery, tell a lie. And really that could have been my garden. But beyond that is probably, I don't know how many feet, but quite a few feet, a normal garden. A great lawn, which is it's it's looked after and it looks good, and it's a massive amount of planting went in there. When Matthew came with 
his team to plant, I was just knocked out of how many plants you have to start a garden from fresh. Jeez, it was unbelievable. And we took loads of pictures of them doing it. And it was, so we've got a variety of plants. And the beautiful thing that Matthew's done, he's planted plants that all flourish at different stages of the summer and the year. So it's never dull looking at the garden. Um, I mean, he came round for the first time in three years, not so long ago. And it was a very early in this, very early last month. And I didn't want him to come around last month. I wanted to come around in a couple of months' time when everything's out and everything's flowering. But he said, oh, no, it looks great. And it's it's grown so quickly in three years. You know, I don't want to see any fence. I just want to see. And, it's, and we've got a lot of green belt here. So it just looks like I've got half an acre when I don't really. <laughs> it looks like the trees beyond are in my garden, but they're not. I've got a lovely cherry blossom tree next door that overhangs mine and an oak tree on the other side. So, yeah. And in the middle, I've got a swing chair, which is where I actually sit sometimes when the sun's not in my face. And um, even plant my Radio 2 shows. I sit there plotting away with headphones on, sorting out my Radio 2 shows. And, you know, and it's so quiet, just birds chirping. I love it. I can't believe I'm, a, I'm a literally a country file person now. I am just so different to what I was <laughs> 20 years ago you know I, I, I mean I'd never be doing this interview 20 years ago it'd, it'd be pointless I love it. it sounds like you're finding this real peace you know having moved out of London this kind of does it feel like that do you feel this relaxing vibe I have to say when people started saying that um in lockdown that that a garden became the number one required thing that people really wanted I couldn't they couldn't be more right it was um because obviously I did all these radio shows throughout lockdown. We, we were going in like, I, I wouldn't call us key workers, but we were like key workers because we were allowed to go to work and, um, you know, keeping the nation upbeat. And it's quite, it was quite tough the last year, you know, broadcasting. You, you're normally quite chirpy and happy and you felt a bit weird sounding like everything's okay in your world when some pe people were dying, you know, and people were, you know. Um, but the one thing that came over from all our listeners is, Anyone who had a garden, anyone who had a garden was just so much happier than people who didn't have a garden or didn't have any outdoor space. And people who had gardens that were ignoring their garden were not ignoring their gardens anymore. They were always talking to us. Even at night, my listeners were out in the garden with a fire pit, you know, on or having a glass of wine. And that was the only thing that kept them sane in lockdown, the fact that they had some outdoor space. And... And no doubt there's been a massive boom in gardening. I believe so. And do you think it's having the garden you've now got that's got you into gardening? Or were you already getting a little bit that way and that's why you bought the house with a garden? It's having the garden, 100%. I, I, I have, look, you, you look at a, a hundred things you'd like to do in life that you say you're going to do that you never get round to doing. A zillion things, travelling, um, you know, snorkeling, um, things that getting out of your comfort zone, doing stuff. There's so many things I wanted to do out of my comfort zone that I've never done. Gardening is the most realistic thing out of my comfort zone that I could achieve, I think I could achieve as a goal. So gardening is a goal for me. The next time we speak, I'd love to be able to recite every plant I've planted myself. No, I'm serious. I, I would love to tell you about my the things that went wrong, my gardening disasters and my gardening triumphs. And, oh, this has grown so well. Look, look at this. And... Because I have friends who have just turned, my brother-in-law's become a gardener. My old PA is now running her own gardening business. And I didn't know they had any interest in gardening, you know. And 
It happens to people, you know, they, especially people who duck out of this industry a little bit. I mean, I remember, I remember watching years ago, I remember Kim Wilde being a big pop star, being like, like Kylie, almost, you know what I mean? At that level. And then all of a sudden, I remember her saying, no, sod the pop music industry. I want to be a gardener. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, I just, <laughs> what? And now I understand. Do you think there's anything that, is it, that the industry is particularly intense? You know, is there something polar opposite to sort of being in a garden, you think? Yeah. In this industry, insecurity is huge. In the entertainment business, being liked, you know, um, the, the, the world of, and then you've got the world of social media to layer on top of that being liked and, you know, having to please people, having success, you know, after what, you know, a lot of people in my industry that don't, aren't really like that. There are a lot of people in my industry who, if you saw them on a program on television or heard them on radio, you'd, you'd think you know them, but they may be very introvert. They may be very, in, you know, they're working with a team all day, and, but really they like their own company and they like to be quiet. And, in, and the thing about gardening, it gives you that peace and it's a complete polar opposite to how fast paced the industry is, but also bonuses you can get creative around the garden you know i guarantee some of the best books are written in gardens some of the best bits of journalism are done in gardens i'm going to start making my best playlists in gardens in my garden and i think that so the garden is a great escape it really is for, from from this industry it's it's real life it's nature it's real and sometimes what you're involved in i'm not saying it isn't real it's just it's just so judgmental, you know? And I think a garden isn't. A garden is, it's like a pet that doesn't talk to you, you know? <laughs> I like that. I think it's accepting, isn't it? And it, and, it, and the seasons mean things come back round again. If something doesn't work out, you've got another go, haven't you? And it's a just- Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's one constant for me. My garden is, I don't mind it in winter. I like looking at it in winter. The only part of the year I don't, love it it is all late autumn when the leaves fall from that bloody oak tree <laughs> next door i tell you i've got an oak tree overhanging my garden my god it just into the pond leaves i'm skimming leaves i'm blowing leaves all the time but you know it's a small price to pay because when those leaves are gone the trees around the garden look lovely with no leaves on as much yeah. as they do with leaves on and do you have a garden playlist Oh, that would be real cliche if I said I did, but <laughs> but I have to be honest. Um, there was a point last year when I had a lot of time out there, and I started painting, not 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 portraits or anything like that. I was painting the planters, which I don't even do. I don't. You see, that's one of my jobs because I've got white planters everywhere, and they get the flowers when they fall. They stain. So every year. Really, they need painting, repainting. I'm not going to get the gardeners to do that, so I do it. So I did it for the first time last year, and I put a lovely playlist on that was obviously bleeding over to my neighbours. <laughs> but I thought, if anyone's allowed to play music on this road, it's me. So um, yeah, it was very, it was very Jill Scott, it was very Miles Davis, it was very cool. It was very, I mean, butterflies and bees were all over the place. And it was a very cool, it, it was a beautiful moment. My next door neighbor was like, oh, I said, sorry if I've made noise. He goes, no, turn it up. And I felt, yes, <laughs> I'm the playlist guy. But um, that, 
that's another interesting point. I'm out there and I used to be really scared of wasp bees and anything like that as a kid. You know, urban kid growing up. What's a bee? A bee is something I, I used to hate bees. And now if a bee's in my garden, I'm loving it. And I was told, you know, like on Radio 2, we're doing something. I'm sure you've heard about it, the Big Bee Challenge, right? And I didn't know they were endangered. I didn't know, you know, I, bees bump into me. I like feeling how heavy they are when they just, you know, when they bounce into you a little bit. And I used to want to, you know, be terrified and swat them. But no, now totally embrace them. And um, it's a sign that you've got a healthy garden. It's full of insects and birds. And I was I was at one last year painting. I loved it. So is it important to you that your garden does offer plants for pollinators, that you've got that wilder bit? That's the best bit. It's the best bit. We have so much wildlife in our garden. Um, the, the, the first time we had, we moved here, there was stagnant water. And I got bitten to, to shreds the first summer, mosquitoes laying eggs and stuff. And I thought, what have mosquitoes in London? What's going on? And I realised why. Now we have... But that area that had stagnant water, we've turned into a brimming pond. And now we have birds washing and bathing in there. We have just all sorts of wildlife in our garden. And most importantly, bees, you know, as I said, love to see bees. We have so many f plants that need pollinating that, that we have so many bees. I don't have a problem with bees. I would never guess we had a problem with the survival of bees um, because I get so many in my garden. I, so I think it's a really good idea, the big bee challenge. And there will be a podcast, won't there, from July 2021. Yeah, yeah. Be Bees in the pod, I believe. I'm really excited to hear. You watch how big that's going to be. I think it's <laughs> going to be huge. I think, honestly, I think now that with the heightened interest in gardens and gardening, I think it's going to be huge, especially as you're getting the kids involved as well. So I think it's going to be a good way to start, you know, people getting into gardening, um, doing that planting you know, flowers that need pollinating and bees. You know, seeing a bee in your garden will be a triumph. And that's a great way to bring kids up, knowing that as well. Oh, absolutely. And that's on BBC Sounds, I think, if you're looking for it, isn't it? That's where you'll be able to find it from July. And the, the Big Bee Challenge, as you said, it's people doing any any small thing, which I think is what sometimes we feel like, oh, we've got to do too much. But it's not, is it? It's mm. just plant some flowers, plant something that's going to be wildlife-friendly. It's, yeah, of course, it's going to be lovely. I mean, it's. Um, I, I can't tell you, I'm looking forward to summer so much. I've, I've been really disappointed in not being able to go abroad. I love going abroad, I, I, you know, to other countries. But the, having a garden, yeah, gosh, if we didn't have a garden last year, because I've worked nonstop since um, March, and I just needed, I haven't had a break, to be honest. And if I didn't have a garden, I think I'd have gone mad. I swear to God, I think I would have gone insane. Garden saved my my life last year, honestly, my sanity, not my life, that's an exaggeration, but my sanity. Um, and it will again this year. If I don't manage to go away this year, it'd be the same thing. I don't need to go to the Cornish coast. I can just go in my garden. Thank you very much. It does look like a holiday place. It does look absolutely lovely. And, and what's Thank your favourite you. time of day in your garden? And how do you feel when you're out there? Oh, first thing in the morning. Well, first thing in the morning for me is nine. <laughs> Um, I like getting up in the morning. Uh, we get sun. The sun really hits us around, I'd say around one or two, the back of the house. But I love feeding the fish first thing in the morning. And that, just having the fish means I have to go into the garden every day, which 
because I was scared I was going to get a garden designed and I wouldn't go out there. I had to, I have to be honest, I was a little bit, because I've never been a garden person. But having a fish makes me go out there. And then I start, I feed the fish and I sort of wander around the garden because I'm out there. Um, and I have a little look what's growing and it grows so quickly. What is, you know, what's not happening, where the weeds are at, what's, you know, who's, which mole has dug a mole, <laughs> has been digging up my garden or where the squirrels been burying their nuts or, you know, has a crow been in the garden, has a heron been in the garden trying to get my fish, you know, there are all sorts of things that I think about as I walk around the garden, but it makes me get out there. And that's the time of day I like the most, first thing in the morning. Are you a cup of coffee kind of guy? Do you take a drink out there with you? What do you? Um, late at night, sometimes in summer, I will have a drink, but I'm not an alcohol. I'm an alcohol-free sort of person unless I'm doing a gig. So it'd be a decaffeinated coffee. Gosh, I sound old. <laughs> and I would just sit in, on a bench and watch the fish um, before the sun goes down. And it's it's totally zen. It's totally great. It sounds heavenly. And I think you need to make your playlist public. You need to let me know if this garden, garden playlist. playlist, especially the Miles Davis. I think I want to play your playlist yeah. in my garden. I, okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll find out if, the, if Radio 2 want a, a Trevor Nelson garden playlist <laughs> to go with their Big B Challenge and all that stuff. Because you, you know what? They're, you're right. It, it's, I, did a, I, I think I could do a great garden playlist. Ooh. I think I could do a garden. It could be a new thing. I've just done a Divas podcast. I think I'll do a... <laughs> the next series will be God, Trevor Nelson's Garden Playlist. Not podcast because you're doing one, but, <laughs> you know, something like that. I heard about the so herons, and I do have to ask you this because it sounds wonderful. Is it yeah. true you have sort of secret water shooters hidden to um, put well, off the herons? <laughs> where did you get that from? <laughs> yes, I do, but I didn't need them. Okay. Um, the truth is herons like little fish. They can't handle big fish. And I was petrified. I didn't know. what uh, Herons kept landing in our garden. And they're huge. Their wingspan is huge compared to any other bird that lands in your garden. And I was, I was really, I, I got so attached to the fish all of a sudden. And remember, I inherited the fish first. But I got attached to them and I got really nervous. And so I've got these. Yeah, these sort of squirters they are. You plug them into the ground, you stick them into the ground, you attach hoses to them either side, and they've, they've got a sensor. And if anything goes onto the edge of the pond, because remember the pond's raised and herons would peek over the pond, it squirts. Has it worked? It never works. It only works when my cat's running through, when, I'm tr when I forget it's on, when the gardener's come, everyone's getting squirted. So... They're still there, but they're disconnected because the herons haven't managed to get any of the birds and um, any of the fish because I think the fish are too big. So um, the, her the fish are really hardy and they know how to look after themselves. So thank they're still there, though. I like the idea they're there. They're flanking the pond just in case, but no need. It's good news for the fish. Are the fish the most expensive part of the garden? I mean, I know koi carp are, uh, you know. Um, koi carp are expensive if you want them to, if you buy them when they're big and developed, but they, you know, I, I think I've got 20 fish in the pond and they're pretty big. Some of them are really big. Some of them are like two foot long. Um, and I buy them when they're young. So they do cost, they, they cost a couple of hundred pound each. And if you grow them, yeah, you, know, you can grow them to whatever length, but I'm not, I'm not breeding them. I <laughs> buy the ones I like and I don't want to, you can get carried away. You can get incredibly, 
precious. People have indoor koi carp, you know, buildings. You know, they build a big shed at the back of the garden. Put, a, I mean, it costs a fortune, and you're not sharing it. No one's seeing it but you. So I, I want my fish outdoors, and I want them to have the odd scrape on them. You know, war wound. They've got to survive. You know I mean? <laughs> They've got to survive. So yeah, I love them. I love them to bits. I've always wanted fish, and uh, the fish are a very integral part of my garden. A very important part of the garden, and they get me out there, which is so why I have them. I just hope that. If I ever sell this house or move on, I hope whoever buys it really wants to keep the fish. In fact, I probably will turn around and say, if they say, yep, I'll have the house, but I'm going to get rid of that pond, I'll say, well, then you can't have the house. I'd rather not sell. <laughs> well, it That's looks, how I feel. It looks lovely. I, I love the way it's raised and you can see the fish. You're not looking down at them. You can see the whole fish. I think it adds a lovely idea. calm to the garden as well. I think it exists. People have that. Some people, It's not the first time. You, you'll If you go online you'll see a lot of people have done that and i think increasingly more people will probably do that because you get double enjoyment out of the fish oh completely completely and i know you're you know quite new into gardening but are there any heroes any gardening heroes out there (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) monty's a hero he's a god isn't he monty's a god man we watch monty we've always watched monty we're jealous of his garden but um yeah i (laughs) Do you know what? I, I can't say names, but I've been to the Chelsea Flower Show now twice. And it's amazing. It's just, it's just, it's amazing. You have to go there with, without your wallet, number one. <laughs> tip, tip, tip to anyone out there who doesn't have any room in their garden for anything. Don't go, because you're going to start thinking, if I take that out, I can put that in. It's just, it opens your eyes. I'm going to go to, I think, Hampton Court. I want to go there. Um... And the gardeners on display, the designers on display at Chelsea are just amazing. I went to the one that stuck with me. I don't remember the name of the guy, the guy who did it, but the Yorkshire Wild Garden a couple of years ago. I love that. Um, I got complimentary cheese there as well, which was really nice. <laughs> and um, the Jap- obviously the Japanese garden's always incredible. But I mean, you, you just can't, can you? In your, I mean, it's just you couldn't have that in your house. Not you have really. To buy- buy some more homes so you can do more gardens uh, no, I think no, this I'm is not, the answer. no i work for the bbc my dear you know full well i can't afford another home but it, it makes you want to buy a bonsai tree at yeah. least but um you know i i got obsessed with bonsai trees all of a sudden i didn't buy one didn't buy one it didn't suit my garden so i didn't buy one but i really love them and um no it's just it's just i marvel when i go to the flower show just the creativity just what what are they thinking how do they how do they think of this? How do they make it perfect at that, that, that time of the year? How it's just, it's something to behold. You know, it really is. It's one of the wonders of the world. You, how can you make a garden, just put it where they put it and then just dismantle it? I'm just like, no, don't you dare dismantle this. You know, don't, what are you going to do with it? But it is amazing. It's art. It's an amazing it? show. It's- it is art. That's exactly what it is. It is art. And the knowledge there is is what I like because I you know I openly walk around and I talk to people and I don't try and pretend I know what I'm talking about and they're really they're really receptive they want you to gardeners people into it really want you to get into it and that's the community that's what I like about it you know don't go blagging just say I don't know what is the best thing what is the hardiest plant what is something that smells the nicest well just be basic just tell it and people will you'll learn in no time you know i'm starting from zero 
So I say things like, I want this to smell nice. I want that to look this way. I like these colors. I don't like these colors. I don't like these sort of plants. I do like these sort, you know, I like, you know, I go to the Caribbean a lot and Caribbean f- plants don't flourish over here much, you know, which is a shame because that's where my parents come from, St. Lucia. And they they have distinctive plants. I wouldn't say they're, I mean, the obvious ones are the palms and all that stuff that everyone's used to seeing, but I wouldn't say they look like they could survive in England, most of those flowers. They need the sunshine, need lots of heat and sunshine. But I wanted to bring a little bit of the Caribbean to my house. And the only thing I could do was buy a palm. It was the only thing I could do. So I bought a palm, and it's my only contribution to my garden. And um, I'm very proud of it. It's flourishing. Thank you very much. It's looking very good. And the fact it through winter, it's not a problem. And that every time I look at that, I think of St. Lucia. Oh, that's lovely. And I, I love your honesty and I, I love as a beginner, you're embracing it because I think it can feel really intimidating. I think people kind of feel like mm. you've got to be an expert or stay away, especially all the Latin names don't help, you know, yeah. but you don't, you don't need to do that. Do you? I think gardeners I, are no. nice people. <laughs> yeah, they are. And you, you know what I, you know, I equate it to, this is going to sound really weird. I've, I, I'm electric now. I've got an electric car and the number one criticism of electric cars, where'd you charge it? How do you charge it if you're going across the country? And I remember going to Devon. I had a gig in Devon, and this car could not get from London to Devon without stopping and charging. I didn't know where to charge it. I didn't know anything. And it took me seven hours to get home, right? And I kept – because I kept looking at apps, and it kept kept going wrong. And I found that the electric car community was so helpful because they'd all experienced the same thing. They all started from zero – and they, some people even charged my car for nothing on their cards that they had with their accounts. They said, look, uh, this will get you going. Yeah, that's right, put it on my account. They didn't even know me. Didn't know who I was. You know, it was just that. And gardening is a little bit like that. If you take an interest, yeah, I'm not saying head to the Chelsea Flower Show. I'm not saying that. But just go to a local garden centre. And I, I love going to garden centres now. They're so friendly. They're so helpful. You know, I even started my first gardeners that I ever had, I were just young people who were working part-time at gardening centers. And I started asking, do you, do you ever, and they said, yeah, do you want to earn some extra money? Yeah. And you'll find that's a great place to start. I think, um, you know, young people who work at gardening centers are some of the friendliest, nicest people and a great entry level. I think if you need help in your garden, rather than spending fortunes on professional gardeners, when you've only got, you know, a few plants that need tidying up or whatever. So that's what I did ages ago, a few years ago. And I'll make this my last question, Trevor. It's it's been such a delight speaking with you today. So do you feel that gardening's good for your well-being? And if so, how? Okay, that's easy. Anyone who doesn't think it's not, the only way it's not good for your well-being is if you're bending down and not, um, you know, bending down properly. You should never bend over. You You should squat, you know rather than do your back in there is a there is an art form i think obviously a lot of my 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 partner's parents garden every day and you know they're in their 70s and 80s and they look wonderful they absolutely look wonderful and healthy and i think it's i think the fresh air number one or the air that you get off the oxygen you get off trees and plants is amazing i think this crazy world we're living in Honestly, and I mean this most sincerely, it's a crazy world we live in. It's mad. When you go in the garden, you know, 
it doesn't exist, does it? It just doesn't. It doesn't exist. So mentally, it's fantastic for your mental well-being to clear your thoughts and not keep the news on all the time. Because at one point, we were watching the news every day, literally. News was on in my house literally three hours a day at one point last year for all the rotten things happening in the world. I think it's also, for me, being I'm quite a cynic. I'm quite a typical city boy who has grown up never understanding the lure for the countryside or all of that stuff and thinking because you're you're brought up in a smoke-filled place you this you're a bit harder a bit edgier you're a bit you're a bit you know and you're not really you're not really it's because you haven't given yourself a chance so for my mental well-being I've had quite a tough year actually you know I don't really publicize things you know lots of things gone on in my life last year lost a few people you know a few family issues, that sort of stuff. And the only place I found solace was my garden. My garden or a golf course. I'll be lying if I didn't say a golf course. But that's still like the biggest garden in the world, going on a golf course. I've got to tell you, and I think the golf course has helped my love for the garden. And the garden's helped my love for playing golf because I just want to be out there and I don't want anyone else around. You know, I just want a couple of people around and that is it. So for my well-being, it's been great. I can only say, get out there. And if you can't, if you don't have a garden, go to an allotment, go to, go to a park, just get out there, just get near flowers, get near. It's just wonderful. I, trust me. I, 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 I'm, I'm tell you why it's wonderful. I would not be doing this interview with you if I didn't think it was. It's simple. I absolutely believe you. And the passion comes across completely. I think it's lovely. I love seeing people coming into gardening. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't feel legitimate in a couple of years when I've planted a few things and done what I see my gardeners doing and saved myself a bit of money as well. <laughs> I will say I'm legitimate. At this point, I'm not quite there, but I, I hope to be there. If you enjoy it and you're doing it, you know, you don't have to have a Michelin star restaurant to be a chef or a cook. Do you know what I mean? It's That's true. Good call. That's true. <laughs> I, I, when they're around, I'm, I've got the broom out. I've got the blower out. I've got, I pretend... You know, I try and pretend that I'm part of the gang, but I'm not, you know, but they're so good. I look at them and I look at them and most gardeners are passionate and they feel that your garden is their garden and they really feel, you know, I'm going to give a shout out to Frankie particularly um, because he does my garden more more than anybody else. They, you know, and the other guys, Jan, they come and they... The way they... I look at them and the way they look at things and the way they touch them, (laughs) they, they really are like... They're their babies, you know. Oh, this isn't doing so well. Oh. And it's like big sigh, and oh, you know, it's just like I watch and I sort of laugh, but I'm not laughing. I'm thinking, why, why, why hasn't it done well, Frankie? Why hasn't it done well? Well, it's not getting enough sun. I don't think I don't. Oh. <laughs> you just like, oh, and we have a little moment. We have a little moment. We look at it and we have a little moment. It's like, yeah, okay, let's see if we can bring. Can we bring it back to life, Frankie? I think we can. I think we can. And then we bring it back to life and it's fantastic. It's a great feeling. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time.